When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the pressure because this is talking tactics, baby. Man, come on, you, go, you, go, you gotta bring it, baby. Let's let's roll, man. Let's roll. I love this, man. I love it. Come on, let's roll. I'm talking tactics, and you keep shifting the goalposts. <laughs> and that is our intro. All right, oh, guys. Are we? <laughs> I mean, we have a strong. <laughs> All right, you guys want to go? Yes, sir. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> hey, what's going on, everybody? This is the Talking Status Podcast. I am Daniel Taluk. I am the lovely, 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 lovely dude they call Half Hope. I'm the sleeping giant, Carl Anker. Sleeping giant, interesting. I take a lot of naps, so I'm above average height. That's how it works. So, what's your 6'2? Is that above average, or what's 5'7? Or what's your yeah, it's above average, and I take a lot of naps, so I'm a sleeping giant. You, you still take naps? I thought naps was like a thing that 40 year olds do. I, no, take I, nap frequently. I take naps. You don't nap? Yeah, no, I mean, are I, you one of those I don't sleep because sleep is the cousin of death type of people? I'm an insomniac. I've been an insomniac for the last nine years, so. I'm sorry to hear that. I, I was reading this thing about Leonardo da Vinci once that um, he took like four naps a day instead of sleeping all at once. So he would like partition his eight hours of sleep into four two hour naps or something like that. And I tried it out, and it does maximize your day if you sleep mm. like two hours, then work, then sleep two hours, and then work, because like you don't need it's, it's too much time to get like REM sleep, which is like the important one, you know, yeah. because it works in cycles. Yeah. But anyway, well, also, I mean, you know, you know what? Can I also suggest that I think we should try and actually inquire? It may be a lot, but we should inquire how much it is to get the rights for the weather party ads song because that is such an amazing intro like i love when that song does drops after we do the an intro thing so literally no it would probably be a lot of money dude yeah um i was thinking like every episode we do like a classic rap album just because that's the music i listen to and then mm. if anybody can figure out what album because the the songs come, the intro song and the outro song are this come from the same album if oh, you can, okay. if, if you can figure out what that is and tweet it to us, or use the talking tactics hashtag. We'll follow you. So, so maybe we can do that. Like last week was what was oh, Dipset? Dipset? Dip yeah, it was the, the Dipset album. But yeah, so if you guys can figure out that intro and outros, send it to us, and the first person to tell us will follow you. We did get a review, guys. So we're gonna do this first um, on Ooh. iTunes. Uh, we got a five star review from James twenty oh one four. Keep up the great work, guys. Could have hope. Please induct Ender Herrera into the Brick Academy. This guy's worse than Whoa, Joe Allen. What for? And, and gets a scary amount of undeserved praise. Thanks. Why are you slandering Joe Allen? He gave us a five-star review. He can do what he wants. <laughs> I mean, Brick Brick Academy. I think that's reserved for slightly worse players. Can you explain the no. concept of the Brick Academy to people who don't understand it? Well, it's very simple. I mean, a brick is a term. It's normally an American term used for American sports, which is where that like you're pretty much a bad player. So the Brick Academy is a hallmark of the worst players in football. So players who can't finish, who can't make a simple pass, and who, who generally are crap and consensually crap. 
and there are different grades. Obviously, it goes from class C, class B to, to class A. And sometimes if there are people who are on the referee, they are under um, review where I'm thinking about whether they should be fully entered or not. So everybody that you see within the Brick Academy, the worst players playing today in football. So I like the fact it's an academy because it, teach, it, it sounds as if you're teaching them to not be bricks anymore. That eventually if you work hard enough in the academy, you can work your way out and no longer be a brick. Oh, no, yeah. Yeah, as in, if you improve for like a short period of time, then you get suspended. Then if you improve, and if you play well consistently for a longer period of time, then you get expelled. But you can always come back into the brick academy. Okay. Are there any players currently on the fence? Is there anyone right yeah, now? Yeah, I mean, maybe this guy might be in brick academy soon. I think, and I, I, I need to check the website again, but I think Rooney was under review at one point, but I think he actually got entered into Class C because he's just been okay. approved. So uh, Rooney's in the Brick Academy? Yeah. <laughs> Woo! Spicy. Who are some of the graduates, like people who can never escape or leave? Um, Montalivio. No. That's harsh. He had the ACL tear. No, no, no. I think, no, for me, like, off the top of my head, I think, I believe, no, want to leave you, Oscar. Those are the two off the top of my head who these guys are, like, dead sets in there, you know. So those are the main two. Like, those are guys that worked their way out of Brick Academy, or they're still in Brick Academy. Um, Giroud walked his way out, because Giroud was literally a guy who got suspended. He went back and got suspended and walked by. And <laughs> now Giroud now has been, I believe he's, he's been expelled. I'm not sure whether he's suspended, but I believe he's been there. So Rizzo has been a guy who really has wait been a minute, in Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Didn't she put the whole Arsenal football club back in the Brick Academy? So oh, that... <laughs> the entire no no the Arsenal's badge are under review. They're they're bad. <laughs> under PSG so, as well, right? Oh, no 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 PSG are in the Brick Academy. PSG's in there. No no no, no. they are they're, they're, they're class B or class C, I think. So I, I find this fascinating. Are there any are there any players that are regarded as world class that you say no Brick Academy? Um, I'll need to check. I need to check. Like is, would you have Argentina Messi in Brick Academy because he's never taken them to a trophy? Oh no, 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 Barcelona. Like no, it's for players who are crap. So where's Maran Fellaini? I th- I believe he's Class B. I think he's Class B. Oh well, there you are. Right, mm-hmm. look, guys, let's, let's move on because trust me, it's it will take too much to explain the ins and outs of Brick Academy. I, I don't want to slow this. Wait, wait, wait. James, James wants Ander Herrera in the Brick Academy. I don't know if that's going to happen, James. No, no, no. It's not happening. He's too good. Why would you put him in there? This is unnecessary. No. no. He's not a great player, but he's still a guy who he does what he does and he yeah. helps the team. So he does what he does and he does what he does to a competent degree. So again, he is still a useful member of a team and he's a member of, of Mourinho's system. So yeah, you know, he just does what he does. Mm. So yeah. yeah, we have, we're, we're on iTunes. So if you guys can drop those reviews, we'll read the review on the show. Um, James didn't put his Twitter handle in the, uh, in the comments. So if you could get back to us on the Twitter account, we'll follow you as a reward for giving us five stars. Also follow us on Twitter at talking tactics. You can follow on Facebook at talking tactics, Instagram, man. Follow us on SoundCloud as well. We're still trying to breach the 100 mark, but uh, we're close. Ooh. You can follow us individually. I'm at Daniel to look. The boys are at at half a pot. Anchorman six one six. He's the verified one. Um, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Yeah, boy. Was, was, was Anchorman taken? Like, why just don't you call yourself as Anchorman? Why the six one six? It's a comic book reference. So in the in the Marvel comic books. The Marvel Universe, where all the superheroes live, the main one is called Earth 616. Oh. So, so Anchorman is like the superhero. Yeah. 
Oh. And then 616 is where you live. Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah. There you are. So, yeah, you can follow us on Twitter at our respective handles. They should be in the description somewhere. Um, share the podcast with your friends. It would be much appreciated if you know anybody that likes football, football discussions. It should be a good show for them. Share that. Yes. Chef, do it. It's an international week. They're even worse than yep. FA Cup. We, we talked about Leonardo da Vinci on this podcast for some reason already. <laughs> Who knows where this is going? Um, you want to you want to take over the three topics you put down? All right, look, man. I think well, you guys all know that this is my this is my um my antithesis, my enemy, my adversary. You know, me and him will will never get along. But at the same time, I'm mature. I'm an old man, and I can always admit when even people I don't like achieve um, a great landmark. Cristiano Ronaldo, he's hit 70 goals for Portugal with his double against Hungary, with them beating Hungary 3-0. And again, just one of those things. 50 is a hallmark. 100 is a hallmark. 1,000, like Buffon got 1,000 appearances. 70. What it is is that I think he became the highest scoring Portuguese. There was a reason why it was a massive headline when he did it, because I think... It's, it's it's made him become he's the highest goal scoring Portuguese player in, in in history. I don't know who he beat, but yeah, he's scored the most goals. It's an amazing achievement for a guy who, 2004 Euros, he was a winger who was just a trickster, you know, stepovers doing tricks, and how he transitioned from an attacking winger to a goal scorer is interesting, you know, just that metamorphosis. So similar to a bit to Henri, you know, Henri a winger who are just speedy, running down a rabbit hole, not really having any kind of faint of movement. And how Wenger then turned that speedy winger into a finesse all-round striker. Kind of like a similar metamorphosis, you know. But um, why, why, why don't you like him? If you can explain yeah. this to me one more time. Yeah. Oh, because he's extremely arrogant, extremely self-obsessed. A guy who you're playing football and you pluck your eyebrows you're consistently taking your shirts off. Why do you have muscles? You model underwear. <laughs> what? So, what? I, the list can go on. What? So I can... what? I don't get it. Why does Cristiano Ronaldo have muscles? Because they make him a better football player. Uh, no, they don't. <laughs> no, it, it doesn't. You think muscles don't make a, no. a better football player? Like, I've always said this, that, that, that Iron Robin, that is the most ideal footballing physique. Too you just much. watch. No, no, no. Too much muscle can be a bad thing. Too much muscle can be a bad thing. Yeah, too much can be a bad thing. But Ronaldo doesn't have too much. So you're saying Cristiano's Cristiano's, um, physique is the is the ideal for a football player? No, no, I'm saying Cristiano Ronaldo has a superb physique for what he wants to do in football. To say there's one ideal for a football player is ridiculous because a centre back needs a different body type from a striker, for example. Wait, wait, Carl, just ask him. Answer me this: Of what use is that physique in football? What one? Cristiano Ronaldo's one. Yeah. Jump like it, it gives him superb heading ability because he can jump really, really high. It gives him superb. Wait, how does, no, how do muscles, how does his six pack and muscles? I'm talking about his upper body. How do muscles and a six pack help you? Are you asking me how do muscle? How does how does a large upper body help you jump? Do you not know about hang time? How that works? No, no, no. Hang time. It's it's a combination, but surely the majority comes from the power that that, that it gets from your um from your heels and your legs and your thighs. So I understand lower heels? body. Heels? Your heels? Something comes primarily from your lower body, not your upper body, mate. Okay, look, I your was heels? crap on stands, but at least I know that. 
<laughs> your heels. Tell you what, Messi has really good heels. <laughs> Got <of> here. <laughs> Look, man, I'm sorry. You're, you're, you're not giving it me a verbal argument as to why that's underwear model has to have a more because he had look he has it because he wants an underwear model and because he wants to take his shirts off because he's vain there are plenty of vain narcissistic sports athletes there are plenty of vain narcissistic uh, footballers out there you can't tell me cristiano Ronaldo's vain and arrogant so he's got he's won three champions leagues he's on the euros he's allowed to be arrogant oh was he on the pitch for the euro 2016 final like Oh yes, I mean he did try and. Run how, with many, a how many walk up goals has he scored? How many walk up goals? Just answer me that. How many walk up goals has he scored? How many? How many? It's not double figures. Double figures. I'll tell you that. It's not, it's not double f- figures. And he's been in what? What do you mean double figures? How many players have scored double figures in a World Cup? This is that is an asinine argument. <laughs> I said in total, not yeah, in one World Cup. In total. A, I know it's still an asinine argument. Very few players have done that. But for a guy who is considered one of the best of all time to score what three World Cup goals, well, you know, I'm not, I'm just saying, you know, three World Cup goals in was three, four World Cups. That's all I'm saying. Look, back to topic. As I said again, great um achievements by Cristiano Ronaldo getting 70 goals. That's a great achievement, but don't advance it and say he's now in the league with greats. No, that is media hype. And people buying into that media hype, which is a, a lot of crap, just to sell clicks and to and sell magazines. Football heads really know that's no Cristiano Ronaldo cannot be mentioned in the same breath as your boy Luis Figo, because Luis Figo is one hundred percent a better footballer than Cristiano Ronaldo. That is a fact. It is a fact, Amondo. Watch Luis Figo YouTube and tell me that man is not a better football player overall than Cristiano Ronaldo. Because Cristiano is an amazing goal scorer. Where's well, probably the best goal scorer of all time. But as far as a football player, all around technically. What did you just call Cristiano? A great goal scorer, not a great football player. Well, no, no, no. The bit after the great goal, a great goal scorer bit. He called him. He, he called him the greatest goal scorer of all time. That's yeah. what I thought he said. Oh yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, as I know, there's a strong argument to say that he's probably the greatest goal scorer of all time. Yeah, there's a strong argument. I'll, I mean, I well, can give him that. Well, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say anything else then, is it? <laughs> Just don't do that. Do not call him a great football player. Goal scorer, fine. As far as a football player all round, no. No, no, no. Don't you dare put him in the same thing. You can't be one of the greatest goal scorers of all time without being a great footballer. It's, it's not possible. You've just stated okay, the fallacy. Okay, so Van Nistelrooy was a great goal scorer. Do you call him a great football player? Yeah, he was great. He was fantastic. He was one of the highest scoring so, players in the so, 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 history. Van Nistelrooy a great football player. As you say, you know what? Van Nistelrooy, yeah. this is a really great football player. I don't understand why you, you're dicing players up into little groups. Okay, okay, so, 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 so you're saying that you, you cannot decipher between a great goal scorer and a great football player. You cannot decipher between a great defender and a great football player. You all, can't right, decide- all right. So who's a great defender that isn't a great football player? Please tell me. Please enlighten um, me. Tony Adams was a Tony great, a great football player. Wasn't a great was a great footballer as well. No, no, he wasn't. Yes, he was. no, no, he wasn't. Yes, no, he, he wasn't. Tony Adams was a great defender. Yes, he wasn't was. a great football player. No. What is your definition of a football player then? It is what you can do on the ball, technique on the ball, balance with the ball, ability to run with, 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 with the ball, how graceful and how, how much control you have with, with, the, with the ball. So it's everything to do with your ability, skill and technique with the ball at your, at your feet. Hence why Matt Hummels is a pretty, is a pretty good defender, very good fo- fo- football player. Bonucci, great defender, very good football player. Philip Lam, 
great defender, very good football player. But someone like Chiellini, superb defender, eh, all right football player. So you see, it it's like, me, how good is your ability with the ball at your feet? It sounds to me as if you're ascribing aesthetic quality when you're describing a great football player, whereas when you're describing a great goal scorer, you're ascribing hard factual evidence. No, okay, That's okay. how it comes across to me. Daniel, what, what, do you, what do you think, Daniel? Am I, is, that, is that a fair reading into what this man is saying? I don't, I don't know. I, I haven't completely taken in his definition as yet. I'd like to hear more, if I'm going to be honest. Basically, okay, for, for example, when you go and play like five-a-side, like out there, you can always identify like a guy, you know, this guy's one of the best, this guy's like the best football player on, the, on this pitch because he's a guy that whenever the ball is at his feet, he just has that technique within him, how he moves with the ball, how he runs with the ball, how he can, he can beat players, and just his, his control and command of the football when he's at his feet. But a guy who is always making those tackles, is in the right position at the, at, at the right time, knows how to intercept. You don't call him a great football player because, you know, that guy's a very good defender. He's very good at that specific role. Like, a striker oh, no. always scores goals. Always in the right place at, at the right time. Always knows how to... So, the defender that's a great goal scorer because he has goal scoring instinct so let me, let me so john terry's a great defender but not a great footballer oh 100 thank you that's a, a perfect example john terry actually not now but peak john john terry was a great defender not a great football player perfect example it kind of makes because, sense carl it kind of makes sense i don't know if i agree with it he's, as, he's, a, as, as a barometer the judge players on but if yeah, you're he's talked but, for long but, enough but see, his what, weird logic has made sense no, this is like how many years? This is like a decade of Cristiano Ronaldo hate perfected into like a five-minute argument. That's 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 hard to smack down. I, I would argue that in order to score goals, you have to have some level of aesthetic quality to your game. Yeah. To kind of nullify the kind of good footballer argument, it makes more sense with defenders. As far as goal scoring and specific to Cristiano, how many times has he scored from outside the box? Most of his goals are scored from within the box. I would would argue that most of his goals come from inside the box. Six, seven, nine, ten yards out. And that specifically is to do with um, making runs, being in the right place at the right time, understanding um, where the defender is going to be, understanding where the ball is going to be, his anticipation. All those are goal-scoring attributes. But as far as what, how many times... Will he get the ball at they're his feet? And they, they are also footballing attributes, you know? In my mind, maybe it's different definitions. Growing up, in my mind, when I think of a great football player, I think of a guy, how good is his ability on the ball? Hence why you look at Ronaldo, the real Ronaldo from Brazil, that was a superb footballer, as well as a superb striker, because that guy's ability on the ball was insane. Hence why he was so revolu- revolutionary when he came through, because nobody had ever seen a striker with that kind of ability on the ball. Basically, I think you've got a distinction between someone that's good at their job and someone that runs a bit weird. Basically, no, no, for, for me, we can, we, we, we can break it down to the definition. We're talking about football. Football. No, we're not. We're talking about the football you like to watch. I mean, and that's a very important distinction. We're talking about the football that you have hope, grew up, and particularly enjoy watching. So that's how your description works. The players that you describe as very good footballers all play in a certain way. When you talk about technique, you're not talking about technique as in technique, technique. You're talking as in a technique that you enjoy watching. 
Because the technique involved into ghosting into their box and making a run and scoring a goal is just as needed and just as necessary as technique needed to take the ball down uh, from a high ball first time. It's the same spatial awareness, it's the same magic game intelligence, it's the same ability to alter physics and defining space in a rapid amount of time. It's just the fact that Berbatov killing the ball stone dead on his toe is visually appealing to you more so than John Terry knowing if I stand five yards forward here, I don't have to run 35 yards back when that ball is played. That is the difference. And that no, is what you've be. been saying for five minutes. I'm All you've been saying is, I prefer watching this player. So therefore, to me, they're a better footballer. No, okay. And response. The, the defense rests. Okay, no, wait a second. My response to that is that. <laughs> Would you say Philip Lam? Lionel Messi, Iron Robin, and Luis Figo are all similar kinds of players. They're all very different kinds of players, but I will all call them great football. But they all players. move. They all move on the ball in a very similar way. They all have very similar coaching That's, methods. They're all very much you take the ball to Luis Figo and they're all and Lionel Messi the same kind of player. Figo and Messi. Would you call them dissimilar, Daniel? Um, Figo and Messi. Figo, who was a two-footed player, and Messi, who is very left-footed. Come on. I can see the similarities and the differences in that they were extremely technically skilled on the ball, but the way they went about it was different. Extremely okay, then Matt Hummels and um, Messi then. You, you would call them similar, Hummels and, 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 and Messi. They both play a very two-feet style, constantly open, body always open, which is football that we've now ascertained that you find particularly enjoyable. I'm not saying what you're saying is wrong. All I'm saying is what you've, all I'm saying is you've very clearly described You've very clearly described a style of football you enjoy watching. And players that play in this certain style, you tend to give them higher precedence than other players, which mm. is fine, which is what a lot of people do. I like my strikers to be quite like under six foot and to have thick, stocky legs so they can really like be nippy and get around the box. I like my box the box midfielders to be really, really snide and do loads of fouls, which is why I like Herrera. I like my centre backs to be really, really. I like my centre backs to be tall, and I like I like Herrera despite the fact he's quite limited because he does something I find visually pleasing, which is being a twat. How do you feel about Harry Kane then, Double H? Like, because yeah, because because I think Harry Kane is like the fifty-fifty of like the aesthetic quality and also just kind of that instinctual knowledge of where to be in the box. So is he a good footballer or is he just a good goal scorer? See, Harry Kane is a good footballer. Okay, and a very good striker. Like obviously. England-wise, I don't know, but as far as for Tottenham, he's a good footballer and he's a very good striker. When you give him the ball at his feet, he can do something with it and he can carry the ball with his feet and create his own goal. You see, the interesting thing is, time and time and time again, you've described footballers that you've liked and all you describe is, this guy is good on the ball. He's good on the ball. He has technique on the ball. So you very clearly like players that can do it. That's his fault. It's called very football. Feet and the ball. That's what it's called. It's called football. Look you very clearly, you very clearly like players that can do. You very clearly like players that can do on the deck. And to respond to your argument, it's called football. Who's got the most World Cup goals ever? Closer. What's yeah. closer renowned for? Goal scoring. No, what's he most known for? Movements and his heading. There it is. But I don't so, think you'd ever get and closer. Because close, closest thing was he's damn good at heading the ball. He was. They called him master of the headed ball, but in like 2006, he was okay, an assassin in point. the air. I'm, what I'm trying to say is, you very clearly subscribe to a certain style of footballer, which is this guy can do a certain passy passy, tippy tappy, dribble dribble style of football that is all very much on the deck. But like that's one, that's like a small percentage of what football is. 
Mm. Because if every footballer played the exact same way you would like to have hope, football would be very boring. Double H, would you say that Pogba's a better player than Kante then? Wait, better footballer. Wait, wait, as of, as of, as of, no, as of right now, Kante is a better footballer than Pogba. Potentially, technically. But using your definition, Pogba that doesn't is make sense. a better player. But listen, it's like, I have to look at because I've got to de- de- decipher it. Based on how they've been performing so far this year, Kante is the better for footballer. It's not based on how they've been performing because you've been, you've been constantly exactly. said, based exactly. on how your performance goes into one section, the goal scorers and defending and, and that stuff. And then you have another section based on how you've been playing, how you play football. Pogba's game is more aesthetically pleasing than Kante, which is why I brought it up, because I know that you were probably going to say Kante given the season, but I would think that you would like Pogba over Kante given your definition. Overall, Pogba is a better football player. Overall. I'm just that I'm well, saying based on this season. I'm using the, the, Pogba, oh, of, the Pogba that I saw at Juventus. Oh, 100% he's the better football player because this guy can literally has so much dynamic ability with the, with, with the ball. So overall, I would say Pogba. But as of this season right now, I don't know the, the Pogba that... I don't recognize this Pogba I'm seeing for United. It's not the same Pogba that I saw for Juventus. So oh, okay. I've got to give you that um, particular deciphering of like, I'm going to take Kante based off the, the performance. But overall, because of, of what I know Pogba can do, I would say Pogba. So I've got to give you those two sides. So basically, you just had like oh, a, a, like a 20-minute discussion of how a Ronaldo hater can shoot him down. <laughs> yeah. Abs- oh, my goodness. That is exhausting. Al Fogg wins his arguments because he doesn't have a firm point and he can shift when I, when I just knock one no, 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 down. No, 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 no. You know what? You know, you know what? You know, no, 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 your arguments are very much like the footballers you like, which is an interesting <laughs> dichotomy, is that you don't know what's going to happen. They can shift left, shift right. You don't know. Yeah. But is that is that Bonucci's game? No, it isn't. Bonucci's game. <laughs> no. Next subject. You see, you don't like you don't like the way Bonucci plays football. You don't like watching it. But I just call Bonucci a very good footballer, as well as Philip Lam. But I prefer the way Neymar plays football. I don't actually like the way Messi plays football, but I prefer Neymar lots more. Whoa, whoa, Neymar, whoa, whoa, whoa. time, 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 time. No, 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 no. Time out. I, Double H. Mm. You repeatedly call Eden Hazard a fraud. Yeah. He's exactly the kind of footballer that you like. Hazard is a very good football player. I just don't like, he's not the kind of guy that I would have in my team, but I can objectively say he is a very, extremely good football player. But he's just not the kind of guy I would have in my team because the way that he plays and he does, I just think wouldn't really fit my psychology if I was making up a team. And sometimes he frustrates me. But objectively speaking, objectively speaking, forgetting about tactics and thinking, you're very much this. Whoa. Next subject. It's a subjective argument. <laughs> Look, next subject. I want. I will say. I want to talk about to decide because for me, I have made my points. I think very well. So this is not about who's right or who's you wrong. Made, you I made that several made points, and they've all changed Let the people decide. Let the people decide. Let's move on. We had a question from. Let's see if I can pull this up, and we can just do the question in real time. This yeah. question is from Ben McAleer. Shout out to his dad, Ian. Ian McAleer, big Don, lovely man. Shout out, Papa Ian. Should Southgate take the photo to the 2018 World Cup, provided England qualify? No, they shouldn't even be taking Rooney. How? If I... Let me guess. Who should England then take to the World Cup? Please give me the names. Kane's your number nine. He's your number one striker. Definitely. Yes. Kane, and, Kane um... needs a line. Then you, then you need a backup. So you want to take Rashford. Okay. Um, this is the assumption they're all fit and they're all on the, not fire form, but fairly good form. 
depending on where he ends up, I'd take I'd still take Sturridge. And so you're probably going to end up taking four, right? So who's yeah, you take four strikers. Uh, another a fourth striker for England, based on what's going on right now. Okay, um, um, can I ask a very simple question? How many goals did Harry Kane score at, at at the Euros? Oh, this is such a bad argument. Such a bad argument. <laughs> it's a simple question. Tell me, how many goals did he score at the Euros, Harry Kane? How many goal scoring opportunities did he have? Very oh, few. Give me a break. Harry uh, Kane, no, no, that no, no, guy no, no, was no. a That is a perfectly flop. legitimate question because you can't score at the Euros. And for you to open your mouth and tell me that Harry Kane should not be the number one first choice striker, that is a disgrace. That is a disgraceful thing to say. That guy was a flipping disgrace at the Euros. And therefore, 100% should be given. This guy has scored 14 goals for a team who sits bottom of the Premier League. Look, he's too old. And he can only, he's only ever really going to conceivably be a plan B against an opposition where you're looking for a goal. And to, if you need a plan B to get a goal, I'd much rather take the 19-year-old Rashford than the 35 going on 36, Jermaine Defoe. You can take J- Defoe, Kane, and I would probably lean towards someone like Andy Carroll over Sturridge at this point. Or instead of taking someone like Theo Walcott, take Rashford instead and leave Theo Walcott at home. Because he's going to be playing as a wide yeah. wing anyway. So you can do both. <laughs> oh, my God. Theo Walcott is probably both. going to end up going to the World Cup when he shouldn't. You could take Rashford instead, and that would leave a spot for maybe Vardy, Defoe. I wouldn't even take Vardy to the World Cup. I'd say his counter-attacking system is unsuited to the way England play. England play a part of It's as if you're just disregarding what this guy did at the Euros. How can you? How can you disregard what this guy did at the Euros? Harry Kane. Why did England do poor at the Euros? One, the Spurs contingent were knackered, right? So you've got Kane, you've got Eric Dyer, you've got uh, Deli Alli, all deflated from coming third in a two-horse race in the league. Then you've got the fact that very quickly, Roy Hodgson has tried to crowbar in some Leicester players. So Vardy and Drinkwater in a team. <laughs> yeah. This kind of like, they got there from playing a very direct counter-attacking football style, whereas Roy Hodgson likes playing, was trying to play a possession-based system. If you remember, back, in the, back when we first started qualifying, they were using a diamond 4-4-2, and then more or less there were so many complaints about it that, he, that Hodgson relented and started playing a 4-3-3. The Leicester players couldn't work. So what you had was, and then, and then, of course, trying to fit Vardy in a system where you had Kane, and then also Rashford came on the scene out of nowhere. So like, right, how do I fit in all these players into a system? They go, they go through all qualifying, unbeaten, without really conceding much, not really being tested, and they're playing very good possession-based football. You can do that when the hardest game you have all season, it, it, all qualifying is against Switzerland, mm. you know? But when you, get to, when you get to crunch time, which happens when England does, they end up playing against a team where, you know, they're not going to have possession all the time and it's not their natural style and they freak. I mean, Iceland was just a thing unto itself. They went a goal down and you could see the moment they went a goal down that that was it. They would, please, please tell me when I can would. respond. I'm itching to respond. Go on, make your point. And, so, and explain to me why you're making this point. Also explain to me why this means the okay, should go. Okay, so you're blaming fatigue as a reason why a professional football player couldn't register a single goal in four matches. One of those including Iceland and against Russia, who are pretty garbage. That is a poor argument. And, you, and, for, and for me, if you cannot function in a different system, maybe you're not that good. Jermaine Defoe is a player where possession-based, counter-attack, defensive, 
full on attack, he will still perform. Okay. If you tell me that Uno Hurricane needs to be in the specific environment and a, a particular Tottenham environment to get the best out of him, then I'm sorry, I'm not you're not my number one choice. My number one choice has to be mate, four for two, can you operate? Four three three, can you operate? Five one, can you operate? That is my number one striker because you have to be a striker where you know how to adapt to different systems. You ain't bloody um the real Ronaldo. You ain't like like Pele. I'm not gonna fully cater my team around you, Harry Kane. So either you can chop and change and adapt to this system, or sorry, you're, 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 you're number two. And someone else who can do that is my number one. So You're doing that thing again. Which is what? You're doing that thing again where players you like watching get ranked above players that have equal merit, but you don't particularly like watching. No, 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 look, okay. What is wrong with the arguments of... You like watching dynamic players that can dovetail and interact and move across no, with a certain no, amount no, no, of don't cheapen my argument like that. Let's deal with facts here. Harry Your argument is cheap. Just do it. That's important to you. That's what be important to you. And then you disregard that when they're not important to you. Your argument is Carl, you're saying that a guy who scored zero goals should be the number one striker. That that makes no sense. All right, Carl. Respond to the point that if Harry Kane doesn't function in multiple formations, that maybe he shouldn't be England's number one. I'd say Harry, the way Harry Kane plays is very much a way that the majority of the England staff play. And when you consider the fact that the majority of the England spine is provided by Spurs players. So you've got Eric Dyer, you've got the two fullbacks in uh, Danny Rose and Kyle Walker. You've got Deli Ali, who should be the number 10 as well. So, yeah, when you consider the spine of the England team is the Spurs team, you should have, the tip of your spear should be Harry Kane. Italy were very effective at Euros because... Because Conte just went, I'm going to use all the players that played at Juve together in one block. You guys are missing a key point here. It's that Ju- Juventus's block under Allegri played what formation at Juventus? 3-5-2. What did Conte they play? Played the... 3-5-2. Exactly, the same block. Yeah. The same block. You played um, blocks. At, at Barcelona, they played false nine. Spain, they played some version of a false nine. At England, they switched the formation. Like Spurs' formation now is 3-4-3. I don't know if Southgate is going to play 3-4-3 three, three at, the, at the World Cup. The 3-4-3 three, mm. three doesn't really depend on how Harry Kane attacks no, no, the ball. Yeah, yeah. The, three, four, mm. three, the major 3-4-3 three, three difference between Spurs and England is how Delhi Ali is used. So that argument doesn't work. This isn't an argument, Carl. The I'm three, trying four, to ask three, you a question. Getting... Do you think the problem is more management than it would be Harry Kane? Because Double A seems to put most of the blame at the feet of Harry Kane not being adaptable enough within formations. I'm saying, are you saying that it's more the management and how he's being used than him himself? Yeah, look, Roy Hodgson had Harry Kane taking corners at the Euros, man. Like, <laughs> I love Roy. I thought it was a great. I thought it was a great England manager, but he he wasn't at the races at that Euros. So, so now to piece this together, Double H, if Southgate chooses to follow Carl's thesis here and uses mm. the Spurs blueprint and basically uh-huh. matches it. Would you concede that Harry Kane should be the first choice striker at, for England at the World Cup? My response to, to that is, I would initially say yes, but then I say that you're not using all the same Tottenham players in England. And even if you've got Dele Alli, you've got Dyer, you've still got other guys from different clubs who have a different psychology to it, which isn't the same Tottenham psychology that they play with 38 games a season. So again, it's hard for me to know how well this system will work when there are only three or four Tottenham players in there, whereas the other players may not be fully on that same wavelength. This is why you play them in blocks. The great thing about what Spurs has done for England is you have more or less a spine. 
you have two defensive players on the wing. You've got one guy who can play either as a defensive midfielder or a centre-back in Dyer. And you've got Deli Ali who's working as the 10, and you, who's basically holding hands with Harry Kane. You've got a very thorough line of Spurs players all going through the system. There are at least four players on that pitch who can go, right, lads, this isn't working. Let's do what we do at Spurs. And my response to that is this is that, as good as Tottenham are, and Tottenham have been very good this season, they're not in the same class as that Barcelona spine. They're not in the same class as that Juventus spine. What's, what's that got to do with what we're talking about here? No, no, as in whether, as in how well it will work. So even if you use that, I just don't think, I don't know how effective they will be on an international stage because they're not of the same quality as that Barcelona spine or that Juventus spine. I, I agree there. Your point was that if, if things aren't working correctly, then the Spurs contingent in the England 11 would be like, all right, let's just do what we do for our club level. What if they won at club level that would suggest you to, that would lead you to believe that they could do anything of note in an international competition? I, I think Spurs play aggressive, high tempo, uh, technically interesting style of football that would do very well at international football. If a team on an international stage were capable of doing what Pochettino is doing, they'd be winning their continent's respective tournament, undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. You know? If a team did on an international level... We're specifically talking about England here, Carl. Not some fantastic imagined team. Not, not Chile, not Brazil, not Spain. This, yeah, this yeah. is the point I'm trying to make. This is what I'm trying to make. The international okay. team that most likely plays, that, like, is mo- like, plays the style of football most similar to Pochettino is Chile. And so, English like, players yeah. are as good as Chilean players. <laughs> yes, they are. Yes, they are. How Vidal... Sanchez. Oh, come on, mates. Give me a break. How dare you? Carl, how dare you? But, but no, 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 look. It is possible, you know, it's conceivable, that England could face Chile in a World Cup. If you're saying that the best yeah. thing England can do is replicate what Chile do, wouldn't Chile already have an advantage in that sense, that they've been doing this for like two, three years? So wouldn't they just lose? It's, no, I'm saying England have a plan. I say when well, you play blocks of players, you have players that know a blueprint and because they know what's going on. What I'm trying to say is player recognition improves player performance. You know how to play better when there are other players that understand what you're doing. Harry Kane and Deli Alli play well together because when Deli Alli gets the ball, Harry Kane knows, right, he likes to put the ball this way. And Deli Alli goes, right, Kane likes to run this way. Mm. So if when Ozil made his debut for Arsenal, something like 70, 65% of his passes went to either Theo Walcott or to Aaron Ramsey. This was Ozil's first season. The thing Ozil did was he grabbed the ball and Walker and, Oz- and Ramsey went, right, he's got the ball, now bloody run. And this is when Ramsey was going amazing with 2013, right? One, like, when you play constantly with a player, you gain an extra weapon for your football team. And what I'm saying is, what I've been trying to say for ages is, <laughs> when you, the more players you have that know a certain system, the more weapons you get. So when you have a Spurs contingent, you get Spurs' as weaponry. When you have a Liverpool contingent, you get a Liverpool weaponry. And that just makes you more diverse. Carl, we both agree with you, I think. And if I can go on yeah. on them and speak for double H, we both agree. What I'm yeah. telling you is that's still not going to be good enough. And maybe that's a completely different argument. There we go. Like, you're, in theory, what you it say is, on, is completely, completely different. argument too as to whether should Harry Kane start for England. Harry Kane should start for England because England's spine is Spurs' spine. So therefore, he should be the typical yeah, England's and, spine. No, and I that's agree. all we've been saying. I that's agree with you. That's all we've been saying. I agree with Just you. have hopes being weird and... Annoying again. Because he wants to talk about aesthetics qualities, thinking it has no, 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 as a football. Not, if you refuse to not listen to my argument, that's your prerogative. But my point is that you said 
All you said was You don't that have an argument. You don't have an That's argument. You shift your goalposts all the time. No, 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 no. You said that Harry Kane should definitely be the number one. That is a ridiculous statement to make for a guy who scored zero goals at the Euros. That's what I said. When you now brought in the arguments of like Tottenham spine, then and I say, aha, now I see where you're coming from as in player recognition and everything. And I agree with you from that point. If you create an environment that is similar to Tottenham, where Harry Kane is playing with Delhi, there you go. Don't give me Harry Kane by himself as a striker in any system. No, because the guy was crap. Who was saying Harry Kane by himself? But Who was saying Harry Kane by himself? No, here's what people but look. Next time I, I see you, I'm going to punch you in the solar plexus. Swear to God. Next time I, I see you. But at, at the end of the day, <laughs> I'm punching you straight in the solar plexus. Straight <laughs> in the solar plexus. Tottenham's spine is not good enough to do anything at an international tournament. It's not. They are, they're not as good as Chile, Brazil, Portugal, Spain. Right in the solar plexus. Okay, okay, okay. Right in the solar plexus. Double H, double H. That's a different yeah. argument. I think we all agree that England isn't good enough to beat Brazil, Chile, no, and no, any other no. team, Italy, in a World Cup. So that's, that's a moot point. We don't need to argue that. Yep. But do you think there's any argument that maybe having someone like Defoe would be better in that kind of Tottenham system. England have done this before. England have taken Jermaine Defoe as a good plan B, and all he did was score against Slovenia in 2010. It didn't quite work. Did, did, did England like, have this kind of Balana, Ali and Sterling? No, they, no, they did yeah, not. No, Gerard and Lampard. Oh, Gerard and Lampard, those, those flops. Those flops. Can we not get into Gerard Lampard, please? Please, come on. Those Gerard and Lampard, oh my goodness. Because we're just going to end oh up screaming goodness. at each other Lops. if we get to Gerald and Lampard are flops, but Lalana is the difference. That's basically the argument you put forward here. Lalana was one of the few good players at those Euros. Gerald and Lampard flopped in multiple international tournaments. Double H, double H, we saw. We know. We don't have to talk about that. <laughs> Come um, on, Carl. We all, we, all, we all love each other, but Come on. I don't love right. you. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Carl. Look, man. Look at it. This is the pressure because this is talking tactics, baby. Man, come on, you, go, you, you gotta bring it, baby. Let's let's roll, man. Let's roll. I love this, man. I love it. Come on, let's roll. I'm talking tactics, and you keep shifting the goalposts. <laughs> and that is your intro. And that is your intro. I feel like there hasn't been enough discussion of Arsenal and Wenger recently. Please spend hours on this. Um, Harry Baltelaire. Nah. Uh, <laughs> this is from Football God Twenty Six. Okay. Why does Double H think Cristiano has never performed in a World Cup, considering that he was great in World Cup 2006? Um, no, he wasn't great. He was pretty good. He wasn't great. So, hence, therefore, ego, he hasn't performed amazing ever at a World Cup. He would have been better off talking about Euro 2004, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, to restore the prestige of the FA Cup, should its winner be given a Champions League spot? No. Yes, but never because then we weekend would be in the Champions League. I think great. the winner of the FA Cup Europa League spot. Anyway, all right. The winner of the domestic competitions get a Europa League qualifying. And plus, spot. like there are six teams now. You really want three of them to miss out instead of just two? Then again, of those six teams, one of them is probably going to end up winning the FA Cup for the next four or five seasons. Anyway. So if you made it a Champions League spot, you're just going to end up giving it to the fourth person in the league anyway. Very well. It'd be a nice incentive, yeah, but it, yeah, I, it yeah. would never happen because UEFA would never sanction it. So it's a moot point. And then you would give Mourinho like FA Cup. You win that, you get in. Win the Europa League, you get in. Get top four, you get in. There's too many outs for someone like that. Yeah. Spe- speaking of Mourinho, 
since Carl doesn't like Mourinho, who would he have? Who would have been his pick to manage United? Now, maybe this is a two-parter. Uh, do you like Mourinho for one? And if not Mourinho, who would you have wanted as United manager? Uh, how do I feel about Mourinho? Eh, it's fine. It's like getting Mourinho in 2015 is not as good as getting Mourinho in 2013 when he was available, but instead we got Moyes. Um, do I think he's good for the club? Probably not. I think we've, but I think what the club, what the club is in Manchester United is changed and it's different. And now I just have to, you know, stop whinging about the fact we're not like we are in the Fergies and just get on board with it. So this is last season. Managers who were available last season. So I kind of clop. I really, I would have seen if Ancelotti was free. Ancelotti over Mourinho, really? Ancelotti's doing his first season at Bayern Munich this season, right? Yeah, his first season. Yeah, 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 yeah. So in, in this game, he's available. Um, despite the fact he got announced quite early hmm. la- at the end of last season. But I would have gone for Ancelotti. I think for what United are trying to do, which is be this football side where you're buying a lot of expensive players every single year and your league performance is no longer a big deal because you've got so much money and your cup performance in Europe is a big deal. I think Ancelotti is better suited to manage Manchester United than he is to manage Bayern Munich. What was the last time that Ancelotti had to take over like a wreck? Though, and I, I guess the same argument could be said about Mourinho, but I kind of trust him more. Just power in those team too. Yeah, that was my phone. Sorry, I forgot to put on silent. Uh, but, do, do you know I didn't even recognize it because I couldn't watch Power Rangers? Oh man, that's a shame. I'm gonna watch the movie. I've, I've heard well, you know mixed it, opinions. Well, ha- half of it was I didn't want to watch it because I saw it and I was like, this is clearly fake. <laughs> Two, like once I saw like the black one was black. And the yellow one was Asian, and, and and the yellow one was Asian. I was like, this is just racial, bro. Like, I don't want to watch it. And I was like, you know, five, six, seven. I was like, eh, I don't like this. And then, and then, obviously, like you know, the monsters that are in there. Like, if yeah. you have like a strict Christian African dad, like it looks yeah. demonic. What are you watching? Blah, blah, blah. So I couldn't watch it anyway, even if I wanted I to. It's same thing with Dragon Ball Z. And Pokemon, it looks demonic. You cannot watch it. Blah, blah, blah. Pokemon? So, oh, yeah, what was it called? Like, like, my auntie doesn't allow my cousins to read Harry Potter or watch the films. I couldn't read Harry Potter either, bro. Yeah, I, I couldn't read Harry Potter. I couldn't read Harry Potter either. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, on an extra, we, we need to talk about having African parents and not being doctor, lawyer, engineers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 You want to you want to write for a living? Is there money in that? Or are you you want you want to go to university to study English? You going to be a teacher? <laughs> uh, uh, oh, and this is a decent transition. What are your thoughts on modern day football punditry? Who are your favorite and least favorite pundits? Um, thoughts it's on modern day punditry. Modern day punditry is interesting because. I feel like what we're doing right now is a form of punditry or like the fan channels are a form of punditry. Um, it's not just you watch, or well, I don't have it on television, but I can pirate it on YouTube like Gary Neville and Thierry Henry or Graham Sooners or whoever. He does not pirate it on YouTube. He does not pirate it on YouTube. We are a legal podcast. Extremely legal. Extremely. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly, I pirate. You know? Allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> but yeah, like, I think modern foot. I think modern day football punditry is 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 good in the sense that I can watch what I want. I don't have to watch 
match of the day to get my fill. I can go where I want. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, so who are your favorite and least favorite pundits? You guys are my favorite pundits. Like doing this every week Aww. is fun. it's not like but and and also like the professional like gary neville is really good at what he does jamie carragher and him together are an interesting combination least favorite jamie redknapp probably michael oh really michael well no michael owen is is comedy the reason he makes money is because they know he'll say something stupid so people will watch in order to win games you have to score goals like stuff like that no, no, but you know he said that a lot that Liverpool won the Europa League. <laughs> He's just there for jokes. But like, yeah, like my favorite pundits are doing this podcast, like the Arsenal fan TV. That's that's punditry in my opinion. So people like troops are kind of like fan pundits and stuff like that. Yeah. So I don't know. What what do you guys think? I mean, Alan Hansen, when he was doing it before he retired, he was very good. Very was he? Good. Yeah, wasn't he the one who said uh, you can't win anything with kids? Yeah, it was about it the was class indeed. of '92, and then they yeah. won everything. So, oops. Like talking tactics, in my opinion, not being biased, it is one of the best out there. Like when I listen to it back, I'm like, yeah, no, this stuff is actually pretty good. Because I think you look at first take or undisputed, that is excellent analysis. Excellent. It's vibrant. It's exciting. It's informative. It's colorful. You don't get that in Europe. In European stuff, it is very boring, very mundane very draggy and the beauty about talking tax i think because obviously danny being through american culture and us with our characters me and carl we are sort of bridging that gap between the sensibleness of the continental english poetry and the much more vibrant dynamic colorfulness and excellent of the american analysis no 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 that's backwards because you guys are more entertaining than me i would say like your arguments are why people would listen right but no, no, no. But I think the way that you do it, I'm the cool head here. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. But but still, the, your approach to it is very. There's there's like an American. There's an American twinge to it, which you don't get on the continent. So like in Europe, it's very straight, it's very cold, very on point. But there's something about it where like it, with you, it feels a lot more free, and much more of like a, a conversation, which is what you feel with American punditry. It just feels a lot more conversational, whereas that uh, in England. It's very cold and to the point. You know, there isn't any feeling of, okay, offhand, let's go off on, the, on a tangent. Let's crack a joke for a few minutes here. It's very much straight down the line and let's go through here. So, uh, I'm a big fan of how we turn this question into one way to complement all of each, each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I think modern punditry is good. I think our analysis of the game has got better because Harry Neville's okay. I think he's above average in England. I wouldn't say he's the great pundit. I'd say he was just the first pundit to use things like optostats. Made him revolution. That made him different compared to uh, the ex-pro circuit that we had. But I wouldn't say he's particularly. I wouldn't put him on a James Richardson level. Um, James Richardson, I think, is particularly good. He does the Guardian Football podcast, and he was the mind behind Football Italia, which a certain age. And oh yeah, those are the days. Oh yeah, I met him. I met him. I met him. Great guy. Great guy. I've met him as well. Um, I recommend if you are ever watching a game of football that also has BBC radio commentary, I recommend Mm. you switch off the television commentary and watch the radio commentary. Oh yeah. Because radio commentary is more detailed. This is for all all sport. It's very detailed because you don't have the visual element. 
Mm. Um, so you have very detailed, very switched on commentators because they have to give you visuals as well. Yeah. And also because you're watching, because you're listening on radio and there's quite a lot of time you have to fill, um, there's a lot more storytelling mm. involved, which, I've, which again, uh, is quite interesting. I think in terms of like the best sports analysis you will ever find in any sport, um, it's very often uh, BBC's cricket analysis because cricket runs for three or four hours and not particularly much happens in a game of cricket, not many too many actionable moments. So what you have is a commentator going, here's three hours, here's a cricket match, fill the time. And yeah. what you get is incredible stories where not only are they telling you what's going on during the game, they're telling you, they're giving examples of when a player is doing something right or wrong. You hear very often in cricket analysis is they go, for any young cricketers listening or watching, this is how you can do something properly based on what so-and-so has just done, mm-hmm. which I think is a great thing. And it's something that uh, Pat Nevin, the former Chelsea, what did he play, Daniel? Wing. Winger. Yeah. Um, has started, does a lot on his radio stuff for football and he does quite a lot for television. I think Alan Shearer, when Alan Shearer first started, was quite poor. But he's got a lot better recently because he started doing that sort of anecdotes where he's going. So there was a segment, I think, where he was basically explaining why Theo Walcott was quite poor as a striker and basically used the examples of the fact that Theo Walcott never makes a near post run. Stopped it, did the iPad thing and went, look, boom, this is where I would have made a near post run now. And if you go in there, you might be able to score a goal. Or boom, this is where you can go back post and whatever, whatever, whatever. He did a really good segment where he basically explained how Andy Carroll's really good at scoring goals, headed goals, because Andy Carroll more or less lags off the back of the centre-back and goes off to stand by the full-back. And that's the sort of punditry you wouldn't get 15 years ago that you're getting a lot better now because also, you know, we've got a lot more footage six six hours from a game because rather than having to look, you know, rewind a VCS tape, you just have to look at digital stuff. Mm. Like there are players nowadays. Here's an example. Think about how... Johan Cruyff invented the Cruyff turn in the 70s and now pretty much every six-year-old can do it because you've seen it enough times. Yeah. Oh, no, I, once, I saw, I, I saw a story come. online that was like, um, they called it the Lalana turn <laughs> and people were like in uproar. <laughs> like, what do you mean? You mean the Cruyff turn? It's just interesting it, how people get credit. Be it commentary or performance is that we're, every athlete is getting better because we have more footage to watch over. Mm. Like UFC fighters now are capable of doing stuff that UFC fighters 10 years ago would never be able to do because do they you, can just look over fight tapes more often. Do, do you guys sometimes find um, commentary annoying though? Analysis. No, no, no. But do you, do you sometimes oh, yeah. find... I very often watch football games on mute. Uh, watch football oh, yeah, me too. Same, same, same. Yeah, no, look, I want, and I've been calling for this for like two years. Once I come to power, um, it will be the first thing I do. I want a button on my remote that can shut off the commentary but keep the atmosphere on. <laughs> there is right. So, 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 like you press a green button or something, and it shuts off oh, the the the, the 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 um the people talking, but I can still hear the players, hear the crowd. Yeah. You so can, it's almost like I have a seat. I, th- I don't. I think it was BT Sports or something. I know, like, I think it was either during the World Cup or something. There was a button you could press. I don't know. It was during the Olympics. Yeah, the Olympics. There's a button you could press where you could either listen to the commentary or remove the commentary but still hear the sound. But I think it was at the Olympics. Oh, so somebody beat me to this. Yeah. yeah. I'm not original. Uh, the, BBC, the BBC for about a decade had the red button service. You could have your traditional BBC commentary. So it was FA Cup final. You could have Guy Mowbray and Mark Lawrence. And, but if you press the red button, you could get five live commentary instead on the television. Or you could have Jackie Oatley or someone else. Um, which was really nice. And sometimes I used to just switch it on for fun. Although, you know, 
there are certain commentators who I know are poor, but I enjoy watching them because I enjoy the sound of the voice. Like <laughs> John Mutson, John Mutson hasn't been a good commentator for a while now, but John Mutson has a special place in my heart because his if voice just sounds cool. bizarre way he put it. Yeah, if only he sounds cool and he, the weird way he used to say DJ Drogba, DJ Drogba. <laughs> Um, Martin Tyler says Drogba. Yeah. Or <laughs> UK listeners, if you're listening oh. to this, you will remember the 2014 World Cup where Jonathan Pierce got very, very confused for five minutes when the goal line technology was used for the very first time. And Jonathan Pierce was very clearly hot-headed. And Martin Keown was next to him and he was just like, side net, net. He went, side netting Jonathan. And Jonathan still couldn't forget, was it in? Was it in? Oh, I don't know. Ah! And that was a particularly amusing moment. And also the 2014 semi-final, I think it was Argentina versus uh, the Netherlands, where it was eerily quiet for 20 minutes between Guy Murphy and Mark Lawrenson. And to this day, we still don't know what happened. They had a fight, probably. They probably they had a fight or whatever, but we just didn't know because I just stopped talking for a while. <laughs> well, no, I, well, I'm like here, here in the States, they're trying to go with three people in the booth instead of two. And I, I'd, I'd actually be in favor of like one person, especially like an older guy that has like, if you ever hear like um, Martin Tyler always has stories about yeah. particular mm. players, about particular years. So if you just give him the time and it comes naturally to him where he can tell you a story about John Terry or what have you, I actually prefer uh, that rather than them trying to force information with three people into one time. The 2014 World Cup again. Uh, the group stage match between Ivory Coast and Japan. It kicked off at two o'clock British time, and they only had one commentator for it. Sam Matterface, who very often does the the Champions League in the UK. Basically, you get Real Madrid and Barcelona and all the big teams at the start, and then Sam Matterface will commentate about three games very, very quickly in a three-minute segment. Um, mm. And he did the entire match without Colin commentary. He did the whole thing just by himself, and it was weird, unknown. And it, it's just so uncommon. Having one person just fill up that amount of time. Interesting. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, commentary, I mean, commentary is yeah. incredibly hard to do because you've got to bear in mind, you're memorizing at least 20, 30 names. Um, you've got to be able to recognize each player on site. You're dealing with, not only you're going to deal with what's going on the pitch, but you have to deal with what's going on on the sideline. You've got to deal with any uh, contextual information as well. Um, yeah, they're processing an incredible amount of information. Yo, do you know what always used to trip me out when I was like a kid? It was when, like, the announcer would be like, we're going to have five minutes of stoppage time, but the board hadn't gone up yet. And then it says five minutes. Like, how the <laughs> hell does he know how much stoppage time? And then, I, like, one time, like, I think the, the fourth official, like, flashes it. So, the, so, so like, mm. the spotters on the sideline can pick it up. And then I think they relay the information to the commentator. And I think that's how yeah, they do it. But the I'm still not sure it. exactly how okay. he knows how much stoppage time there's going to be before everyone else. And that was just a trivia. <laughs> You gotta see no. So, who is the best two-footed player in the world? Wait, right now or of all time? I think he means right now. Neymar. Does Dembele from Dortmund count? Oh man, that guy's magic feet. Oh, he's no, he's good, but he's not better than Neymar. As in two-footed, Neymar is the best two-footed player in the world. I'm trying to think. You you know who came into my head, and I was like, "You fucking idiot, Robin." I was like, "Does he have a right foot?" Like, no, Daniel. I know he just. Why the hell did that come into your head? I don't know. I was just going through players, and I was like, "Robin." Like, hell no, Daniel. He's like he's the most left-footed player like of all time. So, it's yeah. like... um, Eden Hazard's kind of two-footed, but not really. 
I'm trying to think of those technical players on each team. Uh, Wesley Snyder was very too fair. Oh, um, Gal Clichy. What, what? Right. Gal Clichy is a left back, right? Okay. Cesar Aspilicueta. That's a good Gal one. Gal Clichy is a left back, but he's right footed. Gal Clichy's dad made him play left footed because he, he realized there were less left footed players available. So he went, that if my son's so left footed, he's more likely to go professional. That yeah, Joe Clichy is right-footed, but he plays as a left-back. It makes me wonder why more players don't do it. It also makes me wonder why more players don't go, wait, there's loads of number 10s, and there's very few number 6s. Why don't I become a defensive midfielder? It's less fun, um, more work, yeah. less praise. Yeah, Joe Clichy is right-footed, and he's, he's a, left, he's a, left, he's a right-footed left-back. And I think a similar thing happened to David Villa. So David Villa is left-footed, but he broke his right leg when he was five. And he stopped playing football. And his dad went, why have you stopped playing football? Because my leg's broken. So, well, you keep playing. So mm. his right foot. And by the time his left leg healed up, he went, oh, my right foot's better now. The best two-footed player in the world of all time. Oh, would, my goodness. Would be Pele, oh. correct? Was Pele, was he that two-footed? I think he was. I remember reading the book where his dad only let him kick with his left foot for like I mean, years. The best two-footed player I've ever seen is Figo. Pesta. Pedro like, is incredibly the two-footed, yeah. by the way. Loud Pedro, is great. Uh, Pedro from Chelsea, Morning. Barcelona. Yes, yes. Wesley Schneider is incredibly two-footed. He's a joy to watch. Um, it's such I a great skill to have. To... Schneider, what foot do you have? Angles? I don't know. No, 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 like, see, that is hell for a defender. If you're two-footed... Mm. You can cut in hell. on either flank and you can go wide on either flank. It's crazy. Because the key thing for a defender is that they know that, okay, this is your stronger foot. So their main aim is get him on his weaker foot. Get him on his weaker foot. But if you're strong on both feet... It means that you can go either way, so it makes it very hard for a, a guy to really try to defend you. So Chris Waddle was very two-footed. There was a very interesting uh, coaching anecdote where Chris Waddle said he was very two-footed, and they asked him why, and he said, "Oh, I just spent twenty minutes in the gym every day working on my weak foot." And he goes, "I don't understand why other players aren't two-footed." He goes, "All it takes is twenty minutes practice in the gym every day," and he finished the segment, and you could see in the background there was a guy just doing the neck cutting movement, going, "That's not." what it takes you are clearly you're Chris Waddle you're clearly <laughs> better than your average footballer um, it was one of those very <laughs> interesting clarifying moments where you realise certain great players don't understand why they're great yeah Waddle just saying oh just practice 20 minutes on your weak foot every day you'll be a great football player like it might help <laughs> not the key just practice like three hours a week you'll be alright should there be a manager transfer window to prevent managers from being sacked during the season I think that would really be I, I, Yeah, yeah, there should. Because it's, it, it ties the manager in with his players more because it's the same mm. for them. It also the brings great stability, especially yeah. for smaller clubs as well. Yeah. It's like when, uh, when Pulis left, like, what was it, a week before the Crystal Palace season started? I was like, how can you do that? Yeah. But, but maybe that would have been within the transfer window for the manager if it you would have been like summer, winter. Uh, look, no. I mean, there's, there's just no... <laughs> There's no point. Just you know what? You know, it, you know, it would be bad for like the media, I think, because everyone always talks about can such and such be sacked? He could be sacked in three days. He could be sacked next week. He could be sacked in twenty-four hours or whatever. But it, if there was a window, you could be like, well, he can't be sacked until yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like, I, mean, I think it keeps it more exciting as well. But but there, if you had like a a deadline sack window or deadline sack day or something mm. like that, well, will such and such be sacked by August thirty-first? We don't know. You know, for me, I, and I think 
it, it allows clubs more leeway. I think there should definitely be, especially like if manager is doing a horrendous job, completely horrendous, and for some reason you go past the sack day because maybe he won a game just before the sack day, but then he then continues to lose, 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 and then like, oh gosh, we're screwed. We should have. Okay, okay. So, well, maybe this is a can of worms I don't want to open, but do you guys think that the transfer window for players shouldn't exist and that transfer should be legal no matter the day, no matter the month? No, I think the transfer window is good. I think the transfer window should shut before the season starts. So no January transfer window. I also think all your business be... is done in the summer. Yeah. No, Jan- January transfer January transfer window is a good idea, but I think because the, the you get like three games of the Premier League season before the transfer window shuts properly. Oh, okay, I got you. I think I think that's somewhat unfair. I mean, there's the argument that oh, it's good because that way you can wait and see if someone gets hurt quickly or whatever. But I think I think the transfer window runs too long. But I think it's a great. I think it's a great idea. It's changed football. It should be a global transfer window, so we shouldn't have this thing where players can sneak out the back door and sign for China at a certain time, or players can go to the MLS. If there's a, if there's a transfer window, this is both managerial and player. It should be the same for every European league, for every world league, whatever. Although that's my that you know I understand that argument has problems because if we are going to do a global one, it's probably just going to be based around Europe seasons around the world are different. So mm. the, the time to play football in particular weather is different as well. And also in America, like the MLS, yeah. they strategically put the season where the NFL's out, the NBA playoffs start, but then like the tail end of the season I think is over. So basically they try to be the only sport in a particular um, time frame so it doesn't have to compete with other sports. And maybe that's uh, a and maybe that's a particularly American thing because I don't think football has to compete with any other sports anywhere else except maybe someplace like India, where it's competing with cricket. So you know, those are my thoughts about the transfer window. I, no, I agree. I will raise my hand that these arguments are based on the fact that I support a top twenty club in Europe, and your Same. views may vary. If you support a smaller side, um, I, just, I just had a dose of deja vu. Oh, what happened? Like. Like Carl was saying something very similar to that at some of the points, and I was sitting in the same exact place with the same lighting. So I think something is <laughs> happening with the matrix. Someone, someone is messing up with the matrix. That's man. how long. That's how long this podcast has gone on for. Time keeps skipping. At least you're aware of it. Like sometimes you had the moment that you don't think about. All right, two more questions. We'll save that one for next week. Uh, this is from Fab Pacino. Is Max Allegri a good coach, or do the Juventus players make him look good? I think he has an amazing squad in a league that's it's getting better. It's not as bad as it was maybe three seasons ago. But he's a good coach, and he has like a great defense to play with, um, an amazing young talent in Dybala, what, the most expensive striker ever in Higuain, players like Codrado who can just run riot, you know. Wait, wait, wait. wait. How, how, much was, how much was Higuain? 80 mil. They, they, they used all the Pogba money. No, no, no. He wasn't, I think he was 50. Yeah, he was. He's the most expensive striker, I think. Napoli knew that Manchester United gave ninety for Pogba, so they were just like, "Yo, you're not just gonna get the best striker in this league for forty mil or anything like that. Like, you're gonna give us some of that United bread." So that's what they did. So it was somewhere in between seventy and eighty million. Yeah, yeah, he was expensive. Mm. And in seventy million to weaken your biggest rival and just and to see if he works in Europe is a big, you know, considering Higuain's big game reputation. 
Yeah, look, he's so far. It's a hell of a gamble. But it's 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 yeah. it's working. Especially well, it's working. And you know, Milic got hurt, so there you are. I believe it was seventy-six million pound sterling. Is what that I'm talking seems, about. I think seventy makes it a bit more. Okay, like, that seems. Right. 76, 76 million sterling is what I, I was reading. He joined Napoli for 40. And he, 40? Wow. And he signed for Juventus for 90 million euros. Yeah, that was about 70, 75, 76. Well, used to, you know, pre-Brexit. So they made 50 million off him. 70 million for a 29-year-old striker. But, he, but again, he's Man. the best in your league. It's an in-league transfer. So mm. that was always going to be a big one. Mike Goodman... ESPN writer Mike Goodman raised a very interesting point regarding uh, transfers in England based on transfers in, around Europe and why this affects Champions League performance. Essentially, what's the effect of... See, in Italy and in Germany and Spain, the first best team in, can buy the third best team's best players, whereas that doesn't really happen in England. Hmm. He goes... The, is there an example for that's that? What, would, this be like, what, what, would this be like Chelsea buying Torres? Besides, besides Arsenal, basically, whenever a top six English team buys another player from another top six English team nowadays, it either tends to be Arsenal. It doesn't re- like the top six don't really sell players to each other anymore. Oh, players in their peak anymore. Arsenal. <laughs> Somehow, unless it's Arsenal, unless it's a young player who's being you're paying way too much money for, like fifty million for Raheem Sterling. Or if it's an older player who's on a downward turn, like, say, Gail Cliche or Bakary Sagan going from Arsenal to Manchester City, it doesn't really happen in the same way Bayern will just go, oh, that kid at Hoffenheim's doing well, I'm going to buy him. Or the same way Barca and Real can go, oh, Sevilla's got a very good right back, or they've got a good centre midfielder, I'll go buy them. That doesn't really happen in England. I mean, you've got to bear in mind, the biggest kingmaker in English football right now is Everton. Or Southampton. It's Everton or Southampton. Like they are, they are, you know, Everton's big one is basically who does John Stones go to? Who does Lukaku go to? Who does Ross Barkley go to? Those are the real big questions for a lot of English media. At the start mm. of the season, they were. They were, they were like, right, these are three good players that can probably leave Everton and any one of these three players could be the difference between a title for the top six teams. This was before John Stones started playing and realized he's John Stones. Um, <laughs> but... Why did you say it like that? <laughs> Yeah, is can we just finish, guys? Is Allegri a good coach? Yes. Do the players make him look good? Yes. Is that fair? C. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Last question. And Carl, this is probably for you. What do you guys make of the doping rumors that have followed Pep from Barca to Man City? What do you allegedly think about the these alleged dopings? I have no idea what's going on. So can you tell me what might oh, have maybe are. happened? Well, right. So allegedly, 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 allegedly. Are you aware of what blood spinning is? Yes. This is when they so take your blood, blood out of your body. and mm-hmm. Like it makes plasma or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then they take the plasma so, and inject it back into you. And it helps with recovery. It's a thing that happened a lot in cycling back in the day. So uh, you've got a dead leg, Daniel. Um, yes, so, I do. All right. Your left leg's got a dead leg. I'm going to take blood from your left leg. I'm going to take it out. I'm going to take this blood out. I'm going to put it in a machine. I'm going to wear it around really, really quickly and therefore st- stimulate recovery in this sample of blood. So the plasma in your blood is like, oh, six weeks has passed. We're already healed. This is how much plasma we, we are. Now we're fit again. So, you're, so that plasma thinks that six weeks has passed and it's really healed. I take that blood and I put it back into your body and your body's like, huh, 
well, there you are. We're healed quickly. Now, the accusation is, um, the argument has followed a lot of top managers and a lot of top clubs that have had, uh, let's say, serendipitous turnaround in players' fitness. So players that had previously been injury-prone coming to a club and then no longer being injury-prone. Or certain players who uh, were a certain size before they joined the club and then three months later, they looked like they'd gained 40 pounds of muscle. Um, so the accusation was there were certain techniques, blood spinning. Um, I've, I think we've joked enough about things on Talking Tactics about Ronaldo's knees being um, enhanced by unusual methods um, that have... Uh, that have marked certain players. Uh, right. Well, now, don't. what I'm allowed to say about Pep is, in his final year at Bayern Munich, do you remember it was a Champions League game where he had no fullbacks, I believe. Pep, they were going through some injury. They were going through injury crisis, which is unusual because Bayern Munich don't normally go through injury crisis. Um, and then Pep was forced to play a three-man centre-back back line, I believe. I can't remember what time this was. I think it was just after January. And we'd known for a while Pep didn't quite like the Bayern medical staff because the Bayern medical staff, old boys. Um, the thing about Bayern is you're never too far away from someone that's been at the club for 20 years and is an institution. And this player goes off injured. And I remember but Pep turned around and sarcastically clapped the head of uh, medicine at Bayern Munich. And at the end of the game, the doctor quit mm, and the rest of the medical staff quit with him. Um, and the accusation, well, that's what we know. The rumor and accusation was essentially... One of the individuals, either Pep or the doctor, was using methods that are viewed as uh, either frowned upon, unscrupulous, or downright illegal. And the other one had um, didn't agree. And that's hmm. why there was a dispute between them. Um, and that is all I'm allowed to say about Pep Guardiola. But what I will say is, if doping is prevalent in football, which it most likely is, because it's like any sport, and when there's, when there's that much money involved in sport, someone's going to do it. If there is doping in football, it's not likely to be in the way to make you run faster. It's more likely to be in player recovery. So if a player gets injured and is supposed to be out for three months and they come back in three weeks, then maybe raise your eyebrows. That is all I'm allowed to say under English law about that. Well told, Carl. That um, was very well um, explained, man. Very deep. So like. is he going to give Ilkay Gundogan these drugs? Or what's going on? I don't know. Who, is who going to get food what drugs? <laughs> oh, oh, come on, man. You're not going to go to jail, man. Bloody hell, man. Flipping hell. <laughs> I will tell you what's very interesting. So what's very interesting is, of course, so if doping does happen, it's most likely on a team basis as well. So it's very unlikely that one player on a team is doping. If one player is doping, I imagine all, all the, at least the key members of a squad are doping. So I don't think it's going to be... So it's very much of... like cycling in that way, where it, it, like Lance Armstrong wasn't the only yeah. one who was taking drugs. It was his whole team no. of cyclists. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, that... it, it'd be more likely that a player, that the entire play, like top-tier playing staff would dope, but not the entire squad. So something I found particularly interesting um, was a player who left a top-six club in England and went on loan to a historically great club in Italy on loan for a year. He came back and went to a weaker club in England and is now currently playing not in the Premier League, if I'm correct. He made a very interesting comment about how his injury problems played into his demise from this top six club in England. He said, I had quite a lot of injury problems. I was quite young. 
obviously this in, this top six club in England got quite a bit of money in my time out. And when they got money, they were able to sign quite a few top players. And what I found interesting was how those top, because the, the top players that they signed with all the money were really interesting because they're amazing to learn off of. I learned loads of money. I learned lots of this player who played in my position loads, club veteran for this now top six club. And he goes, that guy was a complete athlete. One time he tore his, uh, he tore a muscle and he was back in three weeks. When I tore it, I came, it took me three months to recover. Now, I don't know if that English player knowingly said that, but what he had inadvertently done was revealed there is a tier based on how quickly you're allowed to heal naturally and unnaturally based on how important you are to a club. And Ooh. that's all I've got left to say about that. <laughs> I'm sitting here trying to think about who that might be. Like, <laughs> who went on loan? Who did this? Is that? I'll have to figure it out. I don't have an immediate answer. Is that, your, is that our final question? Yeah, that was our final question. That was a that was an interesting segment. So yeah, uh, that's that's episode forty in the books. Forty episodes of this man. Ooh, ten ten away from the half century. Hmm. So what is we our what, what is our count? I've been in all thirty or all forty rather. Devil H has been in. 38, 39, and Carl, this is episode, I think, 14, but we'll have to check the books. So, yeah, yeah, we are we are creeping up to 50. But, yeah, this is the Talking Tactics Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Talking Tactics. You can follow us individually. I'm at Daniel Taluk. Carl's at Anchorman616. Have Hope is at Have Hope Hut. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Follow us on SoundCloud. Oh, uh, is that it? I think that's it. I think it's got very cold. I'm going to do another commission now. I'm going to write about Rachel Dozel. So let's wrap mm. this up. Yeah, man. Talking to this podcast, sometimes funny. Sometimes Ooh. serious. Always football. Oh, cheery. Yeah, that's the podcast. See you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Peace. Peace. Podcast Network.